When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> wow. Cheers, Pete. <laughs> it's... um. It's the 186th episode of Brighton Rock Podcast with Russell Guy. It feels like no time since the 185th, doesn't it? <laughs> yes, we're recording two episodes on one night. We have one with Ian Hart. If you haven't heard it, you've really should. It's Ian Hart. You know what he's like. So that's that's the previous episode. This one is going to be a little bit more tranquil, except for the fact we've now had a water drink. <laughs> but, um, they probably this, not. This, Yes, exactly. This episode, we're going to rant about a few things, highlight a few other bits of news, and preview the Brentford game. So, um, Peter, first of all, last last episode we had Ian on, he was great, wasn't he? I mean, good value. We've had to cut. Well, a very good. Of, we've had to cut a couple of things out because <laughs> he um, he said something which was very funny, but I'm not quite sure that we should put it in. So, um, you know, we'll we'll have to leave that one. But he, no, he's he's very good value and. Um, I think, you know, just his memory is great, isn't it? It just seems to remember yeah. loads of stuff that I've I've forgotten, um, which is great. Uh, but anyway, on to this episode. So we've got a number of things that have happened in the last week or so since we had our, our previous episode before, the one with Ian, um, on the matter of general football subjects. We've touched on the ticketing system debate with Ian. We're going to go into a bit more detail on that. Talk about the COVID situation in general. Um, Dan Ashworth and David Weir, we need to talk about those guys as well there's some um, issues potentially around their presence at the club um continuing or not um and i'm going to moan about leads you're going to be horrified to hear this signing peter um we've had sergio aguero retiring the champions of europe that's all i'm just saying of course as usual yeah Um, back away from them they're like they're literally legendary you know exactly Exactly. it was really that man city beat them seven nil and arsenal beat them four one really I bet you hated every minute of that, didn't you? I mm. did, yeah. Uh, uh, the referee situation. Are referees getting worse again? After a reasonably okay start to the season, I posed the question. We'll come back to that. Um, there was a price of football quiz. We're going to mention that in brief um, dispatches as well. And we'll have a look at Albion behind the scenes stuff. That is not first team, but loanees, etc., etc. So that's all on the agenda in this 
um, bumper final final episode before Christmas, <laughs> before the game that we think may or may not take place on Boxing Day. Oh, this takes two hours. We have another final one to like kind of do it again. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, well, let's start with the ticket issue. Um, now, Peter, you and I have both had our reservations, to put it politely, about the ticketing system. This is for resales, so where where someone's got a ticket whether it be a match day ticket or, in our case, season tickets. And um, we can't go to the game and we want to pass it on to someone else. Now, there is a system in place, well, two systems in place with the club. The first one, which pre-existed and has been fine-tuned and I think improved, is the ticket exchange, which now works a lot better than it used to. And that gives you the option to sell just on the open market to somebody. Of course, you can only sell your ticket if it's a sellout and if someone's inclined to buy your particular seat. I think no one has an issue with that bit. That's no not- one's got. Yeah, no one's got an issue with that. To be to be clear, the other system which has come in this season has been to have um, season ticket holders, or well, I think it's mainly for yeah for us, um, twenty five pounds to sign up to the ticket exchange scheme for friends or family. Effectively, twenty five pounds you have to pay, and anybody who wants to participate in the purchasing of the t- or the acquiring of the ticket would also have to pay a fee which is 20 pounds per person and they have to register their details in order to for this to happen uh, as a private exchange without it going through the public system so so basically it cost us 25 for the season and it cost individuals 20 pounds per individual that's the system in place and we have had ultimately I don't think as good an uptake in that as we might have done with a different system, particularly on a monetary side of things. Um, the whole issue has come to a head with the Wolves game, where well, you and I both were unable to attend. In my case, I may have been able to offer it to one of my seats neighbours who um, who may have had somebody that could come along, maybe, maybe not. I don't know if you would have had anybody, any takers from this particular game. But the point is that from reports I've heard from people that were at the game, there was maybe up to 10,000 people who didn't It certainly looked like it from TV, didn't it, when they panned around the ground? It looked yeah. a lot yeah. And for people that were there as well, they've said, I mean, who knows what people's estimates are like, but it seemed certainly there were several thousand pounds, uh, several, several thousand people yeah. missing the from the ground. Wasn't the attendance adver- wasn't the advertised, the advertised attendance, should we say. No, that's the that, that is of course the pretendence of thirty thousand two hundred sixty-two. I think it was. Um, now, obviously, a load of empty seats. Now, people can't make some games. In my case, it was a rare a rare miss for me. Um, it was a mixture of taking some work on, which I couldn't really afford to, to to pass up because it involved some other hours beforehand on different days, which were all yeah. And basically, if it's a rare in. miss for you, if you think about being a striker for Albion. Yes, exactly. Yeah, should do, shouldn't I? Um, but you know, I mean, I, I would essentially it was going to cost me the equivalent of about over three hundred pounds worth um, of, of income in terms of incoming and outgoings. Going down to the ground and all the all the costs as well of going to the game as well. Exactly. Yeah. So the overall swing was going to be something along those lines. So on this rare occasion, I decided, given that it's the week before Christmas with COVID restrictions, possible self-isolation, should I catch the, the dreaded disease, going down to the family, I've got vulnerable family members, etc. Um, I've been going to a lot of games, so it seemed like an obvious one to miss because it was midweek, um, et cetera, et cetera. So I, had I decided my a month or so ago because it was like I, the time you need to take, at least a half day to leave really from work to, 
to go and then you kind of and I'm trying to keep my leave back for next year because well notionally I'm supposed to get married and so stuff like that you know so I was just kind of like I didn't really want to go to a midweek game at home yeah the travel the transport um also issues obviously that was before Tottenham was cancelled and I didn't yeah obviously it was too late after that anyway so and then Covid got worse anyway so it was like I wouldn't have gone even if I had been intending going yeah so so that so that's the backdrop and I think I think the critical element, now we had Ian in the last episode saying that the product um, is, is an unignorable element of this. I'm not so sure that's true, really. We didn't get into it because uh, you can't get a word in edgeways with Ian anyway. But, um, but no, I mean, in general, I'm not so sure that the product was the driving force for so many people not turning up. I think it's more to do with the other circumstances. COVID in general, yeah. I think Christmas week, I think the midweek, also... all that stuff. That I think they're. I think people aren't. I think just generally though, the club are. And so this is where I think it's obviously come to a head this week because there was an article in the the Brighton Hope Independent. I think it's. I think it's called about um, season tickets and about that sort of thing from the the group at We Are Brighton, which was rather rudely, I thought, and summarily dismissed by Paul Barber and as clickbait. And I mean, I, I, we've had Paul Barber on the show before. I really like him. I think he generally does a really good job, but. Using fans' opinion, claim fans' opinions as clickbait is not a good way of behaving from a club. And I do kind of find it quite offensive, but we can't in any way argue with the club because apparently it's all apparently it seems to be clickbait. And to me, I, I spend a lot of money on the Arab and on season tickets, on food and drink in the ground and everything like that. To then have to pay 20 quid to be able to give my season ticket to someone else for a game is 25. Or it is. It just seems A, so minimal compared to my investment anyway, so why do it? But also just makes me not do it, so they don't get people, and end up each person who does who wants it have to pay twenty quid as well. Yeah, I mean, his argument was that um, you're, you've already got a discounted price, but I think, well, yes, that that is true, but that is a moot point in in essence because you're not going to be able to resell that on the ticket exchange. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, so basically, the money's lost if you don't turn up, and you you don't want to do this it comes down to whether people want to do the system or not however good the system is if people don't want to do it it's not good because it's not going to work so if i'm not going to the game if you're not yeah. going to the game that ticket isn't going to someone else because it's off-putting then that their money is not going into the club in terms yeah, of exactly. and, sales and new fans programs. but exactly. i think it's almost gone above that now it's gone beyond the whole issue yeah. of you know the right or wrong ticket system it's gone to the club's attitude towards fans now which i think is a bit disgraceful yeah. behaved and that i'm really very concerned given. i'm very concerned with the way things are going because i for, for me things are being hunky-dory i know people have had a, an issue with paul barber through the years with, over this and that calling fans customers the whole Premier League ready thing, I think, and the bottle tops. And there's a few things people have been scornful or, or kind of slightly comical about. However, I think this has moved into a different area because, we, first of all, we had the, the booing by a small minority of fans that irritated Graham Potter, and I can understand why. And I do think it's a very small number of people, and it was a bit of a random, you know, it's a, a perfect storm of a few things came together for that to happen. But off the back of that, we've now had the latest and probably the most contentious of issues between fan groups and Paul Barber, who I think has done a fantastic job overall. And I think the club have done a fantastic job overall. And I love them for all the things they've done through the years, past and present. However... We were talking to Sanjay um, previous episode, weren't we? Episode before last, about all the yeah, stuff done same. in the community and that sort of thing. And, yeah. You know, there's a lot of good, but I do think that they're in danger of 
their attitude towards fans in some some groups of fans in some ways of like of going over that and kind of like getting yeah. in that sense. I I fear that there's a sense a collective sense of um, you've never had it so good. Pipe down is what I'm worrying. The perception is from from, from the club, coming from the club that the fans are perceiving. I'm not saying that's exactly what the club are doing, but that's what I'm worried fans are going to be taking uh, to be the case. Because yeah, we're in a brilliant position. The booing when we're doing so well in general as a football club on the pitch, you can see why Graham Potter got annoyed with that. However, I, no, I disagree with you there. I don't think you. And because you're a Premier League bloody football manager, you should be have a, a bit more of a thick skin than he does. I don't. I always. I said that I thought his reaction was pretty out of order to be honest. The booing. I don't. We're now eleven games without a win. I think his his reaction looks a bit joke, a bit of a joke now. To be honest, I think I I didn't agree with the booing. I didn't boo the team. I thought we played really well there. But the issue that happened that night was something the club have known about for eighteen months. We haven't. We've had so many games where we've not scored. And, you know, we've played brilliantly, have created so many chances. It's not a new thing. It's not like, and they've not reacted to it. They've not gone out and done something about it. So, well, it's I like mean, I, the same strikes well, we had at that point when it started. Well, my, my, my issue, what, what, where I disagree with that is that um, the club have never sort of been playing such good football. The position we're in on the table, even now, is still above av- average in the Premier League era. And it's it one is, of our best but... ever seasons. And Graham Potter is is investing a lot of time, emotion, application into getting that team to play that way. And for him, he's taken that personally because I, I know I know this, what you're going to say in, in response to this, but from his point of view, he's thinking I'm doing my very very best here for myself, for the team, for the club. The players are likewise doing the same, and it's not come up the way we wanted, but. He is taking that personally because he games like Leeds. I get that, and games like Arsenal at home. I thought we played really well. Liverpool away, we were brilliant. But games like Wolves and Villa and recently that sort of thing. I thought we played really poorly. We we pass it around nicely, yeah, but we don't ever look like we're going to score. Did you? Other than Wesley's two misses, we never know both from set pieces. I think. uh, Well, I thought I thought we played. Didn't look like scoring. The, f- the first half for me at Wolves uh, in the Wolves game was very similar to the Arsenal game in that we were completely, I thought, dominating the game in terms of the general like scoring, play. really. But we didn't look like scoring. That's kind of like the point the of football game. when it comes down to it. <laughs> it is, it is. But then again, you look at where we are. You look at the fact that um, that we're playing brilliant football. The fact that we are not losing many games, and that, I know it's, yeah. it sounds like a weak argument when we're not one in eleven. Yeah. But the fact you is, see, we're I, not I just, losing many either. No, I know, which is why it's not we mentioned that run too much. But where, where I the just frustration don't think we're playing brilliant football. That's the thing. I don't think we're playing. We have games like Liverpool where we play brilliant football, but I don't think as a whole our football is that brilliant. I, I thought Newcastle we were we were decent for an hour or whatever, but we weren't amazing. And then after the last half hour, we were awful. You know, Villa, we were poor the whole game, I thought. I know we had disagreement about that, but I didn't think we... You know, we, we controlled the ball at the back. We had a lot of possession at the back, but we didn't offer anything going forward, really, in that Villa game, barring one attack where we had two chances. You know, yeah. it, it's all defend your definition of good football, doesn't it, really? I mean, I passing the ball at the back and like in, in midfield and not really going anywhere isn't, to me, great football. No, I agree with you, but I am concerned that people are venting their frustrations at what's happened that Potter, as I said, damage could be done. Potter's going to be, that's going to get his back up because he's trying his best. His team are clearly trying their best and they are playing for him. So on that matter, 
Oh yeah, I don't think can, about you can that, see yeah. where you can see where it's gone. Gone's in, Tony. He's standing there in the dugout. He's got. I but, mentioned the previous episode. But managers episode, get booed by idiots all the time. The you know, they do. And they don't go um, and bitch to the media about it. You know, it's like. He, well, it's heat at the moment, though. Mention that in an interview. This, afterwards. this is the problem. Referees yeah. never have to be put in front of microphones straight after games. Players, can't, well, depending on who's selected, have to. Um, if there's a particular player with a particular incident, they'll probably be put before the media anyway. Managers every week are told to go before the media, and I believe they get under uh, under some kind of trouble if they don't show up within a certain amount of time. But most so of them don't been, do what Potter did. Yeah, but but if you think of what Potter's done, Potter has trying his best. His players are trying their best. He has exactly the same frustrations as us. I'm pretty sure of that. He wanted strikers. Whatever he said, I'm pretty sure he wanted strikers in. He certainly would have been frustrated with the outcome of the games, regardless of what his views are on the striker situation. Then he's having some idiots booing him. Um, and then he's been put in front of the media at short notice. And he's being asked a load of questions on that very subject, which they knew they want to tap in to the controversy because well, that's I'm what sure the media was specifically did. asked about it. There wasn't much mentioned until he mentioned it from what I could gather. Obviously, I was at it. I don't know. I think he was right, prompted, wasn't he? I don't think I it was mentioned exactly. until he brought it up, was it? I could, I could be wrong. No, it was. It was. I don't know the order in which the interviews took place, but he was specifically asked about it by two of the on-the-scene okay. media outlets. I, yeah, yeah. I didn't realise that then. I, 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 don't know, I don't know which order he was Obviously, he was being at a game, I've not seen the interviews uh, as yeah. a, they were after the game. I I recorded it and I watched it back and and Sky asked him straight away afterwards and he was seen mouthing, can't believe they're booing. Um, And I agree with him. I don't, I don't agree with him. No, I don't think that Leeds game If they're booing the club for not having signed a striker, then that's a different issue. But the problem is Graham Potter and the players quite understandably can misconstrue that as a criticism of themselves. I genuinely think the frustration, genuine criticism. the the booing was frustration that we were so much better than Leeds that night. As it had been with so many teams that we played over the last year and a half, and we didn't win. That that was, a, I think, I don't Absolutely. think... Absolutely. 100% that is exactly what, what it was for. The performance was one of our best ones in our run of 11 games without a win, which is... No, like... I, I agree with you, Peter, but the thing is, Graham Potter's caught up in the moment. He's invested yeah. all his emotions in the game. And immediately after the game, he's being asked about the booing, and... He's then obviously frustrated with that because he's taken that personally. He's maybe not being as rational as he'd be in a normal But if it's 50 situation. people out of 30,000 or whatever it is, you know, it's like... You've... Yeah, but they're, they're near him. One guy's barking at him from from close quarters yeah. and a load of people in the nearby stands are booing. Um, you know, Given how we've been played since, though, I'm not convinced it was the brightest thing to do either way. Cause... No, it wasn't. But again, it's the heat of the motion. Uh, at the moment, it's emotions. It's... It, it is. It is. You know, the guy has generally. He's someone who actually cool... doesn't do that though. Normally, he won't attack the referee after the game when we, we've had a terrible decision, that sort of thing. So why could he not hold it in about the fans as well? You know, it's like because he's in well because he's in a high pressure environment and he, he's do as you said he doesn't do it normally. It's very hard to never do it when when you're getting your know, buttons pushed every but week. He never does about referees. He's never. I've never criticized referees. No, I know because. He's able to just contain himself yeah. in that regard. So, so but, why is he not able to do it with fans? Like fifty fans out of thirty thousand people, or something like that. It just it the whole history of the thing was really sanctimonious and frankly, really, really ill thought out. And yeah, it, I, I agree. However, he said it about him wanting it. It's obviously clear that he was basically saying we've been a lower league club all our history, and you should like the fact that we're doing this and. I don't argue with that, but to say it in a situation that he did was not a bright thing to do. And I just 
club. Mm. I think they've become a bit very goals, anti any sort of comments against them at the moment. And, and it's in Paul Barber's stuff this week. It shows in Potter. It shows in, and it's like, well, we're allowed to have an opinion. We pay a lot of money to watch that stuff. We're allowed to have an opinion on the club and how it's how it's being run and that sort of thing. And if it wasn't, as someone pointed out, if it wasn't for you know, there was, there was a whole thing about clickbait this week. It wasn't for the Argus standing up in the in the nineties. We wouldn't have known about the sale of the Goldstone that sort of thing, and we wouldn't have a club now potentially. So, you know, I don't think understand how it's clickbait. It's it's a, fans are allowed an opinion as our you know everyone else is like. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I agree with you about what these things are. If we don't like it, we're allowed to express an opinion as any. I agree with you. I agree with you. But I'm I'm, frustra- I'm as frustrated as anyone else when we don't get a win when we've battered the opposition. Let's let's face it. We've, we've been in some games. We've been absolutely f- so much better than the other team and not got the results. So many this season, actually. Leeds and Arsenal that really stand out. To be honest, other than that, there's not been many where we've dominated much as we did last season and really. No. Got the okay, win. fair enough. But but there's games where we should have done better and we haven't. And yeah. As much as anybody else, I'm frustrated when we don't get the results. And we haven't done the other thing, which is grind out results when we're maybe not at our best. Um, we've got draws from, from losing positions. We're quite one of the best teams in the division at getting points from losing positions. But yeah, that's still only draws and that's not so much. But I do think that, you know, you look at where we are, where we've been, where we are now. And I, I, you've got to allow the guy some slack avenues to get frustrated beyond. You know, he's as frustrated as we are. In fact, you could argue he's more frustrated than any of us because not only is he a fan while he's with the club, which I think any boy, any manager is um, and any player is, but he's also having to suffer that all week. It is his, his job. He doesn't have anything to get distracted by. He That is his job during the week. I mean, training those fans players. suffer that all week as well because... We, well, we do, we do. They're but, getting frustrated as well with it. It's kind yeah, of... Okay, but he's not going to be less frustrated than any other fan, put it that I, way. I think this is interesting. So I, I've often, so we, I've discussed this idea with my dad before and about the idea of being a perennial sort of Wigan in the Premier League and being like 15th to 13th. And are you better being a West Brom and yo-yoing quite a lot? And mm. I, I think the thing this season is that the first five games yesterday, we might have a better season. I don't think anyone seriously thought we'd be top six or whatever sort of thing, but we'd have a season where we were at mid-table and it's in danger of dropping towards our normal 15th, 16th, where we're looking over our shoulder a bit. And, and that's, I think, where... And I think the, the, the start we had, which I'm not convinced was we didn't deserve 12 points in those first five games. I mean, Burnley, we were absolutely battered off the pitch in the first half and we would have been three down if they could finish. Uh, Watford, we won comfortably. Everton, we lost comfortably. Brentford, we won the last minute, a draw would probably have been outright, and Leicester, we probably draw would have been outright. So we could easily have ended up with eight points in those five games rather than 12. Or True, but we could also have beaten seven, Liverpool. So... We could have mm-hmm. beaten Liverpool. We could have beaten Liverpool. Yeah, we should I'm have beaten... saying, but those five games, I think, kind of getting 12 points rather than potentially even five from those five games mm. kind of changed people's views. And suddenly people were thinking, well, oh, we could get... Suddenly the more yeah. kind of fans around were saying, like, oh, we could have been like you know, top six or something like that, even, or top top eight or whatever. And I think that was never realistic. But I don't think any of us would not, would not win the next 11 games as well, so... I mean, it's just a freak situation, to be honest. The fact that we've drawn the vast majority of those games as well is a freak situation. Yeah. You know, both of those things, both sides of it. Well, it's, in um, a way, it's not a freak for us because we've drawn a lot of games over the Premier, in the Premier League. Yeah, but is that so bad? We, yeah, we're, no, we're I'm, the, I'm not criticizing. I'm just saying we have. I think every season we're up there in the top the drawers in the league. 
we're, we're playing the 19 best teams in the country season after season, and we're, we're not getting battered by very many teams at all. Man City and one-time Liverpool aside, you know, who's thrashed us? Not many teams. Leicester beat us easily last season. There's a, there's a couple of games like that, but not many. And we uh, are competing in those games. And we are looking more comfortable, in my opinion, still now than we have done in any of the previous four seasons. And I know that can change if things go on a downward spiral for too much longer. But I firmly believe that won't be the case. The only thing that would go against And we've that, not played three of the big six in our three games remaining for the first half of the season, it has to be said. True, true. But the three but, teams we've not played are Chelsea, Tottenham and United. No, that, yeah, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. And obviously United and Chelsea are away as well in this first half, at least. Um, but yeah, but, I mean, I don't count that in a way because we'll play them both home and away, but we've not played three, yeah, yeah, yeah. three, of, the big, three of the big six, basically, in kind of this season. And yeah, true, true. We have to play in the first half of the season. But we are still comfortably clear of, uh, of, the, of the drop zone. We've, we've got, you'd imagine, an upward spiral still to come unless, and this is my worry people start getting on each other's backs and things start to descend in the general psychology. You know, if the fans think, start to get on people's backs, so that's when you've got a This problem. is what annoys me, though, because I think the marsh, these people would have been marginalised and not really thought about if it wasn't for Potter's comments after the Leeds game. And also the rather snide comments from the club recently as well about, about the, the ticketing plan and that sort of thing. I think these... Yeah, well, let's go on to people, that in a minute. <laughs> so this, these things are actually the things that would, would divide the fan base or anything. Then it, yeah. the, the fan base generally is behind the club, and I, I'm not. I'm in no way suggesting that we should sack Potter. I, I don't get the media fuss about him. I don't. I don't really agree with the fact that he's a next England manager. Some people are saying that sort of thing, and he's he'll go to a big club. I don't necessarily agree with that, but I do agree that he's a decent manager. He's not done a bad job, and he's kept us. You know, he's improved the playing style. No question. We we go and give a go every game, whereas under Hughton we we didn't do that. I don't think really. Well, is is he underrated though? If you take into account the fact that Welbeck's perennially injured, more I mean, is a good, is a good injured, lower division Premier League striker. That's the perception. He could be better than that. I think he he can be better than that with better players around him. But apart from Morpé and a, and a rarely available Welbeck, what have we got up front? That's the difference between us and even the middle. That's the club's choice, Yeah, that's the club's choice, but that's not Graham Potter's choice necessarily. And it certainly isn't a reflection on him being less than the rating. I think everyone's rating Potter based on the, the quality of the football, the way we play, how we dominate and boss games, have the possession, all that stuff. And the fact that we don't score at the top end is continuously, relentlessly mentioned. People aren't necessarily analysing why that's happening, but they're all saying the same thing. So I think the people that are raving about Potter are also constantly referencing our failure to, to do the business in the final third. And we all know, both the media and the fans, know that that is to do with striker options. There's nothing wrong with Neil Morpé, but he's going to come in and out of form because all strikers do, um, just as your cats come in and out of frame on the camera while we're talking. Um, but but he's, he alone cannot carry this club in the final third Along with oh, what a sweetie the cat. Uh, along with Trossard from a deeper, deeper lying role, that's not enough going forward. If you look at Southampton, they've got Breuer or whatever his name is on loan from Chelsea. They've got Che Adams. They've got Ings, uh, not Ings. Um, what's his name? Armstrong. Um, Armstrong. Armstrong. Yeah, Armstrong. And, yeah. Long as well, and, they? and they've got Redmond, who's quite an attacking player. He's kind of Trossardish, isn't he? In general speaking, so, so they've got four to our two. And Welbeck is unlucky. Because Welbeck only signed for us like Vicente did because he was injured. Yeah, well, 
Again, that's not, be playing that's not going to be if he wasn't injured. That's not going to be Graham Potter going. I insist on D- Danny Wilbur. No, I, I know another no. striker, is it? So I, I I'm not arguing with that, but we can't ever describe Welbeck as an unlucky, you know, that he's injured because we knew he was injury prone when we signed him. He is injury prone. That's why he signed for us because he was a player who played for top six teams before. Yeah, well, I suppose I, I suppose Welbeck is Welbeck isn't. It is unlucky in within himself. Obviously, he's unlucky. Yeah. He's but we're not unlucky back. about him. But we're not we unlucky. Yeah, no. If yeah. it wasn't no, for exactly. the fact that he was injury prone. Exactly. Same with Lalana. He wouldn't have come to us if yeah. he was still. I mean, Lalana actually has been barring the last few games has been very very fit this season. Yeah. True. Yeah. But I do, I, I contest that Grand Potter's overrated. Maybe to some degree you could argue it, but not not to a huge. There's degree. a lot of hype I, around him, which I I've still yet to see why. I'm because he plays, he's got a, a team who's perceived as a smaller club, certainly within the Premier League, as playing really good football, bossing teams, dominating possession, and and getting good results against Man City and Liverpool and yeah. Spurs, and and going better. The Palace under Hodgson season. were getting good results against City and Spurs and Liverpool and that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, but they were playing shit football they, they, but by their own fans' well, admission. Well, they, 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 were, they were like playing counter-attacking football, which actually in its own way is quite exciting. Well, more, more than more than fifty percent of their fan base didn't like Hodgson's brand of football. I'd say probably something near seventy percent by from what I've heard, seen, and heard. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I agree. People appreciated that he was getting results to a certain level, but I don't think people rated him because what, what Potter's doing, the Hodgson and other people like him, and and, and the, the more should we say depressing versions of of Hodgson style of football, i.e. Allardyce and and Dyche and all those sort of people, is that um, he's playing a really good brand of football, adventurous, attacking, attractive. I think we can all agree on that. Yeah, I, I didn't mention Dyche. I think Dyche is not the same as Hodgson. Hodgson played counter-attacking football at Palace. Dyson, Dyson, and Dyson, that's all they played long ball. It's not... Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a, yeah, admittedly, it's a different brand. But in terms of attractiveness, it was lower grade in that regard compared with yeah, Potter's brand of football. You think that's that what we played against people. Wolves is that attractive, though, for example? What we played at Villa, I, I still, I think we... Obviously, Wolves, we had, we had seven people out and two people in who weren't clearly not fit. They had about five or fair. six out as well, didn't they? Him and Ed and Mark Cal. Yeah, but that doesn't, that doesn't stop uh, us playing uh, within, the within our usual... Yeah, that's true, but it doesn't stop us playing within our usual... Standards, does it? And um, whoever the yeah, opposition I, is, if we've got players out, Trossard was the quite thing is, clearly. I think, to me, we didn't have. I mean, yeah, we had seven players out, but that included Steele, that included Lacardia, nationally, that sort of thing. There were there were names that probably weren't maybe first choice. I just think crushing that, blow that. <laughs> I just think that sometimes he gets you know the the, the the attractiveness of our football is overrated sometimes. Last season, I think it was actually generally generally pretty good and we didn't really had an odd, odd game where we were terrible but otherwise we were really good but this year we've not played such attractive football I don't think we played less attractive football and then we stopped getting results as well I I don't necessarily agree with that to be honest I think we are still playing attractive football I do think there's been some patchy elements to it a little bit more but I do think our general approach and our general style is still very front-footed it's still very um, stylish it's snappy passing there's, it's, it's really difficult to quantify, but I, How much I think that we still is in the final. Is in the final third. But this, this again comes back to how much of that is to do with coaching, by either Graham or from other people within his staff, and how much is that to do with recruitment? That's the other question. Anyway, listen, let's not dwell on that because we're going to go on for hours if we keep talking about it. But what I did want to talk on the same subject: we've had the Graham Potter situation with the booing. We've then had not the first time. Paul Barber having some disagreements with some of the fan base about an issue. We've alluded to it already. The ticketing system 
We Are Brighton, which is a well-known online uh, blogging site, basically. There's a number of guys, some of them are journalistic backgrounds, who, who write quite regularly and post regularly on social media, Albion-related stuff from a fan point of view. Um, Wearebrighton.com, I think, is their website if people want to check it out. But they've, they've come up with an open criticism of the ticketing system, which I think you know, it, it goes without saying, you and I both agree is a fair criticism to some degree. Oh, it, Paul yeah. Barber has sent an open fair. Yeah, and Paul Barber sent the, this open letter. For anyone that hasn't read it or heard it, um, in the Brighton and Hove Independent, it's been published in full, and it says, Dear Letters, obviously Letters Department, it says, I write in response to a piece written by We Are Brighton website owner Scott McCarthy, published by the Brighton and Hove Albion Independent, after our most recent home match with Wolverhampton Wanderers. Criticising the atmosphere at the Annex, the club's policy of announcing said attendance, attendances and the ticket sharing facility introduced for ticket season ticket holders uh, this season. He said, I'd like to address each point in turn, but first thank the majority of fans, etc. Platitudes, fair enough. He says, be it the football that the team have been playing in the Premier League, that many feel is the best they have ever seen and has seen as, as continue our progress under Graham Potter um, or off the pitch, I think that means on or off the pitch, um, with the measures that have been forced to take during the pandemic to continue playing in front of supporters in the stadium. Our supporters have been brilliant, and that was again evident with all but two fans complying with the new Plan B measures on Wednesday night. That's the Wolves game. He says, to Scott's point, and first on the flat atmosphere, there will be times when the atmosphere at the ground is great, other times less so. It's the same at all clubs up and down the leagues and across the country and has been the same at the Annex in each of our 10 seasons since it opened and also will have some correlation with how the team are performing and the results. This is the chicken and egg thing again. Um, and he says, and some other factors such as weather and even kickoff times. We heard what just 8,000 fans inside the Annex could do for the Manchester City game at the end of last season. Even with limited numbers, a brilliant atmosphere is still achievable. He then said of the Wolves game, on Wednesday, Wolves came to frustrate us and anyone who watches football at any level knows that ultimately that, that hinders the atmosphere. Wolves' game plan was to break up play when they could to stop us getting into any kind of rhythm. It's not the first time teams have done this at the, uh, at the Amex as part of their desired effect. Um, these tactics quieten the stadium. I agree with all of that, by the way. Anyway, he says, however... If Scott or any other fan feels that they can help us improve the atmosphere in such circumstances or in any other way, we always have been and always will be open to dialogue. I've lost count of the number of email exchanges, etc. He talks about the you know, communication with fans, which is fair enough. He which, says which we I, can. Me, I imagine a lot of fans have written to them saying, put the away end to the side and have both ends. Have the away end nearer the north side of anything. And yeah, also, I'd be interested to know if that's the case. The Albion fans. I, we've yeah, I think that it, having we? both ends, Albion fans, would help the team a lot. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Uh, anyway, he goes on to talk about Villa, about how, you know, the fans did their thing. He said our fans had done Yeah, I disagree with that bit, because Villa, I thought, were very, very quiet, barring... The I did, too, yeah. So they I barely made a sound all the game. Yeah, I disagree with that. And, yeah, I, found, as that, well, I yeah. found that very interesting that he thought Villa were very loud at all, because... Only, only in the 85th minute. You know, yeah, once they scored, they, they made a lot of noise. One, before they scored, they barely made a sound considering it was their first game. Well, even for a normal game. Because well, I, game, ironically, ironically, this actually feeds into Paul Barber's argument about the chicken and egg issue at the Amex because I thought the game stifled the atmosphere 
in that in that particular occasion. I think there was a lot of general possessional play and nothing much happened, yeah. which doesn't excite fans. So after yeah, it was a new one as well, wasn't it? Really, but yeah. we just fucked up basically. Yeah. Which does actually feed into Paul Barber's argument. But um, he says, our fans have done similar on many occasions and have been rewarded with numerous late goals. Regardless of the attendance announcement, Scott will already be well aware, as we are with the vast majority of fans, it is the standard practice across the Premier League. Yeah, I, I'm not sure with that, but yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, the yeah. pretendants say basically yeah. talking about they, which they is have to enough. do it, it's fine. That, that's yeah. the, the legal thing, whatever sort of thing. I know that wasn't an issue, yeah. He goes yeah. on to say, I am sure I don't need to spell out the reasons, um, but we don't have, I know how many fans had COVID-19 or even just symptoms and therefore could not attend. Equally, there will have been many in light of the fluid nature of the advice from the government, some of it coming as late as 5pm that evening, um, that we did not want to put, uh, that they did not want to put them or their families' health at risk. Or, or risk isolation ahead of the Christmas period. We also heard from government medical advisors that evening advising fans not to attend stadiums before Christmas for matches and only to get their boosters, which is true. That was the case. He also says, watching all this week's matches on television, anyone could see all Premier League games, with the possible exception of Liverpool against Newcastle, where there's a higher than average um, show, um, had huge no-show rates with yeah. all games televised, etc., etc. I think said, the got- timing of the thing in independent probably wasn't the home independent wasn't that great in that sense because it gave Albion a get out of jail free cloud. Because I think there's been a lot of empty seats all season when people would have thought would want to be back at football and that sort of thing. The Wolves game yeah. was an exception where there was a lot more than normal and there probably was a lot due to COVID, but I think there's been a lot more than normal anyway every game this season. Yeah, true. Um, well, the, the system they put in place. Well, Paul's letter go open letter goes on. He said, regardless of that, and the Wolves game aside, it's perhaps interesting for Scott and others to note that this season's average no-show figures at the Amex are tracking only very slightly higher than our promotion-winning season, which is interesting because um, it sounds well, like bollocks. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm not sure, but I, I don't says, think that's true. Well, he says, nevertheless, as a club. We also want all season ticket holders in attendance at all games. Season ticket holders are heavily discounted compared to other match day prices. To reward that loyalty, maybe we need to review how we encourage actual attendance at the Amex in future. He says one example is that for fans following England, they only reward loyalty points. In their case, they call them caps. If a supporter actually attends a home or away fixture and none for the bigger tournament matches. What he's essentially saying is, do we need to look at registering whether you turn up or not as to whether you get loyalty points it's a bit of a threat dare i use the word it sounds like there's a sense of look this is the situation you could this could be worse you could be not getting loyalty points when you don't turn up for games that sounds that doesn't sit very well with me to be honest with you off the back of the way they've changed the policy about um giving tickets to 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 friends now i know paul barber's argument to this would be well, it's illegal to give your ticket to a friend without telling us uh, and without it going through proper measures. And he's right. Of course, it is. That is the case. However, you, you have to take into account the fact this is that's just the, the way of things. That's the culture. And it may be right. It may not be right. But that is how things have gone. To take that away. OK, it's one thing. Fine. To then charge both ends of the equation for the privilege of following the new system is another 
But then to, on top of that, to threaten when criticised that we could do something like stop your loyalty points going through if you don't turn up, um, as they've done, you know, off the back of the, the game at Bournemouth in that League Cup match, you know, not letting loyalty points go for the away game. I think we're on a slippery slope if if that were to be a threat with any meat it on the It almost sounds like a kind of like, deal with what you've got or it could be worse sort of thing, yeah. Yeah. Now, I haven't read loads of social media. I don't know if that's been picked up on, but I picked up on it. I thought that's I think quite... the, the attitude towards fans is, yeah, I, it's, yeah, I think I said, I said in the previous show, it's like the history of some bollocks that I think Potter said, which I didn't agree with and I think was pretty sanctimonious, was, you know, I, I, I genuinely don't, I mean, as much as I, I'm probably more critical of Potter than I think most people are on the show. I think most of most of the people who are regulars on here are pretty pro, are very pro him. Whereas I'm, I don't have an issue with him. I don't think he should be sacked, but I also don't get the hype. Um, oh, Peter. <laughs> anyway, well, go do, on, you, yeah. do you not think he's overhyped by the media though, and that sort of thing? I think he's like well, he's overhyped in in terms of there's no need to go on about him quite so much. Yeah, exactly. But I don't think I don't think they're wrong with what they're saying. I just think they're saying it too often. Mm, I, I disagree. I think they, I think he's I don't think he's going to be the the next England manager or a big six manager that they think he is. I think he's, I think he's too clever sometimes for his own good. Anyway, moving on from that, the history lesson bollocks. Like, well, Paul Barber probably gets history lesson as well about what about what we went through as a club and what these fans, well before he'd ever probably even heard of Brandon Albin or certainly you know kind of was working there. What we were like, you know, Tony Bloom obviously knows the history of Brighton and was there there and saw it, but you know everyone else here is like you know, well you know you just came along. It's your job for you. For us, this is like a kind of this is our basically what we do every weekend for us to, you know, probably for the rest of our lives, frankly, because you know you don't turn away from the club when you're in this situation. So, you know, if, if you know Paul Barber, it's all very well for him to say, you know, he's been working it since we've been Premier League, whatever. So, whereas like we've been bright, watching Brighton in you know at the bottom level when we were allowed to go out of business, that's sort of been like supporting the club, you know, for I, I'm over thirty years, more than well, more than that. It's like it, it just feels a bit sanctuary to say for Poster to say about, you know, understanding the history of the club and for, for Barber to tell us to, to dictate to fans about how you're wrong, it's clickbait, when it's actually we're the ones who basically was one who like, kept the club going for a while before Dick right. We're the ones who kind of fought for a ground. There's that on the sanctimonious point, I mean I don't think Potter's sanctimonious at all. I, d- I just disagree with that. That comment completely. was sanctimonious, wasn't it? Let's be honest. I think it was spiky, but it was born out of a frustration of what he was hearing at close quarters. I, I don't think he's sanctimonious. I do think he recognises where we've come from. He, he was talking about he would need a li- history lesson, not yeah, us. Yeah, but it, it, was dictate, it well. wasn't like that, though, was it? It was, a, it was a dig at the fans remembering the history. Yeah, it, the whole thing's been blown out of proportion. It's been distorted on both sides. But he, but he being, must have known that was going to be the case, though, when he said it. He knew that would be a cop picked up on by... Heat of the moment. Heat the of the moment. Have you not got press. angry? Have you not got angry and you've not been able to calm down within 10 minutes? Because that's when he was interviewed, within 10 minutes of the game. I think probably if I was paid the money Potter is, I probably would do it, you know. And he does, does do does, it. Oh, hang on, hang on. Does, does so, payment change emotion? I don't think right, it does. No, but he doesn't do it referees. So why, hmm. when the first time 50 fans or 100 fans boo after a game, can he not do it when referees give us dreadful decisions like he did last season for every week pretty much? Can he do it? Yeah, well, I mean, it's easy. It's easy for us to to speculate either side. Who knows? I mean, unless we're inside his head, we don't know. But I, all I would say is, I'd be guarded. Do you agree that it wasn't critical. the right thing to do? It uh, now looking back at it, 
Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was ill-advised, without doubt, because it's, A, because whatever the rights and wrongs of it, it's going to escalate an issue out of proportion, which very clearly and very quickly and very comprehensively became the case with the leeches that are the media. Um, secondly, is it advised in terms of just the relationship between Graham and the fans? Yeah, it's not, it's not ideal because it's disproportionate conversation about a, num a small number of people. So, yes, it would have potentially irked more people than were annoyed at the result and booing <laughs> in, in the post-match. Yeah. So I agree with you, but I would just keep being cautionary about the point. It is heat of the moment. It is still heat of the moment. 10, 15, 20 minutes later, you're still pumping about. Uh, you have managers in dressing rooms an hour after games vilifying their players could have had a poor performance. You know, it's it's all still heat of the moment, even an hour later. The the other bit about Sanctimonious, about um about Paul Barber, I've, I've had two minds about him. On the one hand, I think some of the stuff he says, that the one element which I think he has a flaw is in relations with the club's fans in certain areas of debate. So if, if there's a general query coming to him on email, he's brilliant. He'll he's reply brilliant, to yeah, stuff definitely. all signs a day and he's, brilliant. he's very articulate. He makes very reasonable points, etc. When it comes to these, the criticism elements where the, the fans are actually ostensibly criticising him for something, in this case, the ticketing system, that's well, it's where he's generally, gone. it's not just him. It's not like personally. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the, yeah, the club in general. That that's where the one flaw is because he's yeah he's quite spiky in response. I mean, we mentioned about the threat of all taking loyalty points away if you don't turn up. That's one element that's loaded into this argument. The, the other one is thing is I, I, the clickbait thing exactly, which is which comes in in the quote. I mean, just to quote the rest of the article, he says, finally, the issue of the ticket exchange options. Firstly, it has never been permitted to share tickets by passing them on to another supporter. And while we appreciate this was commonplace prior to the introduction of digital tickets, and even turned a blind eye to it at some times, it has always been against the Premier League's terms and conditions. Fair enough. He said Scott's argument... Is it, Scott, from... Well, it, it has. It, yeah, I think it has. It's never been legal to, to pass your ticket on. Is um, it a Premier League thing or is that a club thing? I mean, surely it wouldn't I think, be... No, it's a Premier League thing, I think. Really? Yeah, I think so. I think so, yeah. Um, but he that said seems Scott a big Barber, involvement in Premier League for something that should be a club thing. Well, it's one, it's one of those generic rules that nobody bothers to enforce. It's, it's one of those things, isn't it? It's in the small print, but yeah. But anyway, he says Scott's argument for the Wolves game is also flawed because even if the old system was still in place, it would not have been possible to pass on tickets as the new government plan B rules states that the name on the season ticket had to match the ID and COVID-19 yes. passed to allow so permission. This is where we come to the, the crux of the matter. No one, I don't actually argue with the fact the club want everyone on record because of COVID. Where I argue is the fact they're charging through the nose for it. And that's that's my issue with it. I don't argue with the admin. I don't argue with the fact that I've got, I'd have to like flag that, you know, say my brother or my team got like that. I have, my issue is that I have to also pay 20 quid for him to have it or 25 quid and he had to pay 20. 20 quid to be on that system is not a member. This, even this is the problem, isn't it? Because we, we are Brighton. I haven't read all of their stuff, but as far as I understand it, we are Brighton. But just having a snipe at the um, the very rigid system, at the cost involved. I mean, Paul Barber goes on to talk about uh, eliminating touting, prohibiting fans who've been excluded from getting in on a, through a different means, um, season ticket holders selling or passing but they on could do tickets all that and to away supporters. And do it for yeah. free. Considering yeah, exactly. I pay, 
600 quid of 600, 700 quid, 600 quid, I think it was for per season to, for the privilege of that seat. I feel that they should charge me 25 quid more to give it to someone else for a day when that person probably will end up in the ground buying beers anyway and having food and that sort of thing. It's, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. And he's quoting about the economies of it and how it saves people money. But the fact of the matter is, You've got a season ticket. I've got a season ticket. If we can't go to the game, what I would like to do is to give that to somebody I know and I can be trusted to make an informed decision on who's who's trustworthy. And to offer that to somebody, I've got my my seat neighbour next to me. Um, we may or may not have exchanged, you know, just for legal reasons, we may, may, may or may not have exchanged tickets once in a while when one of us couldn't go and the other one could. Let's say hypothetically speaking. So... If that's happening, well, yeah, we, you may or may not have done it. Yes, exactly. We we could trust each that's other. That's the most vague story I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> and I've got about ten people around me who I could rely on to only bring somebody reliable to the game yeah. in my stead, and vice versa. And um, oh, I like they like to think they trust me anyway. Um, that that's what the situation was. Whether we used it or not, I'm not saying. But that's that's the situation. Um, what they're saying is, I, I can understand their point of view. They you know, they can't just rely on you and I being sensible people and the people that we trust being sensible people. I no, can no, understand no, what they're that. saying is that they they can trust those people, but they have to pay forty five quid to be trusted between you and them. That's what well for for making sure they can be trusted. Yes. That's, that's essentially what it is, isn't it? And that's where the yeah. issue is. Well, Peter, what I, I need to we... say is you, you have yes, to you can you need to put the person's details in the system that you're giving a ticket to, and if they cause you trouble, you'll also be liable as well. That's all they need to do, and that means you won't give a ticket to some sort of arsehole. You know, it's yeah. like that, that basically guarantees it. And if you do, you'll be you'll be accountable you'll be, in the you'll same be way. You might get as a two game now. ban or a three game ban or something like that. that, that be, you You'd be accountable in the same way as now, wouldn't you? There wouldn't I don't be any think difference. anyone's issue with the admin of, of like putting people's details in. The issue people have is the fact yeah. that they have to pay forty-five quid for the first time between them, yeah. and twenty quid if it's a different person each time. And it's yeah. a of losing new fans as a result of it. They're losing people who might make up the gap of the people who move yeah, exactly. or who decide they can't <laughs> season it anymore. They decide they can't do it. And you're not getting the new fans that will come in otherwise. You're, you've yeah. got to turn to. To use my, uh, yeah, exactly. my, my often used recent uh, comments, you know, you're listening to season to goals, but you're not gaining new people who are coming in because you don't want them because it's so prohibitive to do it. And that you what, want you want new fans to come to be encouraged to come along because exactly, you've got because, to replace the because of the churn. There will there always will be churn. The waiting list for season tickets yeah. has probably gone down. I don't know what the situation is, but the fact of the matter is, there's always going to be some churn at some point. You'll need those new fans yeah. now if. If I, that's if purely I want, a business thing as well. That's, uh, yeah, that's exactly. just the business side. Speaking ignoring the, ignoring business the side, side of, yeah. I'm really pissed off because I have to pay 25 quid to give away to anyone else, yeah. you know, in that sense that I know, because yeah. because I even though I'm basically paying a lot of money every season, that's yeah. that pisses me off as well. But purely from a business side, that is, is wrong as well. And yeah, it, I mean, from, from my point of view, I'm going to probably miss one or two games a season at most. On those games, I would trust somebody. I would go with someone trustworthy, and I would want them to go along. When it comes to this this Wolves game, I know that's not going to sell out on the ticket ticket thing. So you're not going to get the ticket exchange. So it's just a matter of do I bother contacting the people I know and ask them if they fancied having someone go and sit next to them as opposed to having buying a ticket randomly somewhere else in the stadium. 
Now, if someone's got a casual fan that might become a Brighton fan, they're not going to want to go along with them, but sit in a completely different stand. They might be able to get a ticket somewhere else in the West Upper, which is where I am and where we are. Um, maybe, maybe not. But they're not going to want to sit separately. They want to, they want to sit with their friend. Now, it's not going to sell out. So, you, you know, it's not on the ticket exchange. So the only way I'm going to get that ticket to someone else is through somebody I know and relying on them. And I'm not, I, I couldn't be bothered to do it because I'm going to do that once this season. It's going to be that game. I'm not going to pay 25 quid and then ask the guy that sits next to me, Kevin, to get whoever it is he wants to come along to pay 20 quid. They probably don't mind registering with the club. We don't mind dealing with all the admin involved in that happening. But 45 quid just, just to go, do you fancy my ticket this one game? Yeah, so even it's if you charge a tenner to the person taking a ticket is one thing because that's a, de- that's a decent deal for, the, for someone yeah. who's along for a random game with that sitting next to them yeah. because you can't go. But it's yeah. the 25 quid deal and then a 20 quid on because we pay for that ticket ready and then we're paying a load of money again for it. And that's just... That's just ridiculous. You don't go to theatre and then have to like kind of like you can pass your ticket on someone else. You can just randomly, I can do whatever I want if I go to the ticket or if I go to the cinema or whatever. Yeah, in a sense, you're doing a favour. You might be doing a favour for your mate who's got someone that might want to come along yeah. and you can help each other out. But you're doing a favour for the club as well. Because at the Wolves game, I'm not going regardless because I've got other stuff going on. I can't make it. If I'm not going, that's sitting there empty. There's no beer being sold. There's no pies being sold, yeah. no coffees, no programmes, no merch. And there's no future fan watching a game and going, actually, yeah. it's on there. Yeah. Now, maybe, maybe, maybe that person never comes to a game again, but they still might spend five or ten quid. That's better yeah. than nothing, isn't it? For someone you, you've said your trust and you're accountable for. And, that, and that's the thing. Paul Barber was saying, like, oh, the, the, a lot of people have taken up this offer and I'm, I'm pretty sure that's not true. I think a lot of people well, have Well, a lot of people might have done, but a lot of people haven't done yeah. That's the point. And I know I know the rules are you can't just give your ticket to someone else. But the reality is that's what's happening. And yeah. the, other, the other reality is the alternative, which they've offered, isn't working well enough. Yeah, it clearly no, isn't. Um, I know Wolves, the Wolves game, it wasn't just that one reason why so many people didn't turn up. But I, I think it goes without yeah, saying. I, I there's think been that more article empty was badly timed in that sense. I think it, it was, yeah. It was. The club, yeah. the kind of obvious get-out clause. When actually yeah. more empty, uh, I, whatever they might say about there's been empty seats for there yeah, fewer empty as many empty seats they were in a promotion season. So I reckon that's bollocks. Basically, I'm going to call. It's one. been happening all season, hasn't it? I've been yes, looking Wolves, around the ground Wolves all season. More. There's been a lot of empty seats compared to normal. Yeah, it's yeah. you know it's, it's complete crap. And yeah, the club the yeah. club can deny it if they want, but the fact of the matter is, I know for a fact from my own personal conversations, there's a number of people who are a not happy with the system. And in some of those cases, most of those cases are not adopting the system. They're yeah. just going, okay, forget it. I'll just let the seat go. Yeah, I mean, empty. there are people I might give my ticket to, but I wouldn't do it now because it's too much of a pain in the ass. Yeah, it's just yeah. not worth it. And and the hassle and the ad, the admin's fine. It's it's the cost and the it just doesn't. Yeah. It's like season ticket holders are, are you know kind of. I, I think there's this whole thing about being called legacy fans and that sort of thing, which to me in fundraising doesn't help. Legacy Doesn't people matter, are when they're it? dead and they've given money in their legacy in a will. Right? <laughs> exactly. So yeah. Last time I checked, I was it still It feels breathing. like long-term fans are basically regarded as being like, well, you're here anyway, so you've got no choice. And it, we're, we're taken for granted. And it pisses me off because actually, yes, I'm realistically not going to give anything to get up, but I'm also not going to, you know, it makes me less likely to do other things as well and to try and actually... Yeah, I mean- 
if Paul, if you're listening to this, and I, I, I could say either Paul, <laughs> might be Paul Camelin, um, you know, we, we, we don't want to fall out with the club, but no. you, you've got to listen to us. They, this is not going to work. And please come on, people, actually. It'll be great if you, yeah, either, either Paul came on, and Scott as well, any of you, come on to the show, either separately or together. It'll be quite an interesting discussion, because I think we should really try and, I think this is really quite a big thing that actually could separate fans from the club, actually, and it's, we don't want that. We want to be like kind of United Front and, you know, that sort of side. So, I, you know, if, if you're listening, any of you listening, come on the show because, yeah, yeah, there'll be a really good discussion about completely it. Completely agree. You completely agree. Yeah, please do come on. We, you don't want divisions within the club. The fact that we're doing so well, historically speaking, you know, proportionally, we're you know, mid-table in the Premier League. How many times have we done that? And yet we've still found a way to fall out over some things here is when do it's we drop quite worrying when you think from, things could be yeah. more in, in moments of more adverse adversity you know I how are we going to be if we're this bad now I think it's a sign the fact that yeah we're doing okay in terms of like being per relegation zone and we're still it's still annoyance and I think I mean I, I thought that when it came out in the pre-season this 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 ticket system was really crap but obviously it's kind of like taken a while for fans to realize what it actually means and yeah. it was absolutely clearly a way of and I the thing I like, I give a lot of money to the, the Albion. I have done for a long time. Same here. Seen as yeah, it's like, same for any of us who seem to think goals. We give a lot of money, even before we buy beers, we buy food, we do everything else, and we don't want to be seen as being like also a vehicle for any sort of you know. And it feels like at the moment the club are trying to get more money out of people who already give a lot of money rather than bring new people in, and it, it doesn't feel the right way to do it. They, it feels like you'd be better off trying to bring new people in. Yes, you could have to have, have, you know kind of transfer a ticket online to someone who then registers online, that sort of thing, that's fine. Or or even pay a tenner for it, that's, that's not a problem. But the fact that I've got 25 quid to give my ticket to any one season is, yeah, unless I want to do it randomly, is, is ridiculous. And, yeah, it pisses me off. And, as, well, as you might gather, we've now, like, talked about an hour about it, so... Yeah, I know. Well, it's time for a break, Peter. So here we are with part two. Um, well, quite a heated debate in the first part. No, Nothing major to de- <laughs> Yes, it was. No, it wasn't. No, and not, not much to debate. Behind there, was you. There, really. <laughs> it's pantomime season, isn't it? Oh, oh no, no, it isn't. It's not. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, right, let's talk about a few other things. So there's been quite a lot going on as well, hasn't there? First of all, the COVID situation. We've had the games with Spurs and Man United postponed. We unfortunately, despite asking to have it postponed, had the Wolves game go ahead, unfortunately. And as far as we know, Brentford are out of the woods. We are to some degree. So the game is likely, as it stands, to go ahead between the sides at the Amex on Boxing Day. And once again, you and I are both not going to be at the game. And we'll do a preview of that at the end of the programme. Um, but the oh, yeah, situation... I, so the in situation general, yeah, go ahead. is an interesting one, because I would like to say it anyway. So you and I weren't going even before covid got worse there wasn't any surely there must be some sort of common sense Premier League that says why would you have a great a game at 8 p.m on a on boxing day when there's no trains and it relies solely on trains there must be based on the fact there has to be games at certain times surely there must be a way of Brighton saying well actually fans will struggle to get away from our ground however many however much more they might try and do to get to the game that sort of thing there must be some sort of aim. The same for Brentford fans. Well, there must be some sort of attention to detail. Even, you know, kind of, I know most fans are in Brighton, but even then it's quite hard to get home. 
you know, for, there's no bus. Yeah, there's no it's difficult enough at the best of times, and we have a lot of exiled fans as well on both yeah. those matters. It's it's I, I I've told you before I'm not a big fan of Boxing Day games. I'm I'm quite happy doing my own thing on Boxing Day. I don't need football on Boxing Day. I have it all year round. I've got family stuff that I won't do that often during the year, and I want to do it at that weekend and or week weekday wherever it is. Um, on this particular occasion, I probably would have gone to the game if it had been a lunchtime kickoff. Three pm would have been probably a bit borderline for me. Eight pm is one hundred percent out of the equation. Practically speaking, I can't do it. I, I question whether any game, particularly if you've got an out-of-town stadium, but you could you could argue this in general, whether games should take place on a day when there is no major public transport other than local bus systems. That's not good yeah. enough, is it, really? No, I, think, I think that I agree with you, but we obviously are probably the top of the list of all 92 grounds probably that rely on public transport, I thought, probably. True, yeah. I think, so we're, I think so why I think would we should you put that at 8pm on Boxing Day? I mean, if it was like... If it was 12.30, I might have gone because I'd, I'd have been at my parents anyway. We'd probably have driven down quite early and we'd, have, we'd then be able to get a tra- found a way of parking somewhere and got a bus back or something to the, you know, park and ride or something. We'd have found a way of doing it. But 8pm, it's just ridiculous because it's like it, it just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And I agree with you that probably no game should be 8pm on Boxing Day, but least of all should be Brighton home game where... And it shows that the club... I'm sure the club probably did say something along those lines and Sky just don't give a shit about... You know, the yeah, that's what it comes down to. I mean, when, when we talk about football traditions, oh, Boxing Day games are traditional. What's your image of that? It's not going to a game at 8pm. It's it's going, having your Christmas yeah. dinner, you go out on Boxing Day, the family members that are interested go to the game, they walk to the game, usually traditionally, locally, whatever, and they'll watch a game in the lunchtime or the early afternoon or three o'clock. Three that's, o'clock that's the tradition. That's what we're talking about with tradition. Yeah. We're not talking about 8pm. And at one point, it's traditional play Christmas Day, so... Exactly, yeah. Do we move away from that? Exactly, exactly. The 27th itself will be a much easier one. Yeah, just make it the The 27th. It'll cost a couple of work then. So that's the only reason to not play 27th rather than Boxing Day, is people will be at work, so you have to play evening games. But I think an evening game 27th, when when trains are running, would be a lot easier for most people than for having a... Exactly. Or it becomes, or it's a bank holiday where there may be trains because it's yeah. not the Boxing Day bank holiday. And you all, and you, they <coughs> tend to play local games anyway. Then, so like we're playing Brentford, yeah. one of the more local exactly. teams for us. Exactly. You know, they, so you could do it for an evening after work or something like that. A lot of people take Christmas to New Year off anyway. It just seems. Yeah, yeah I agree with you. I think maybe the Boxing Day fixtures, as traditional as they are, aren't. You know, certainly Premier League aren't worth doing because they're not traditional because they're not 3 p.m. on boxing anyway maybe the lower leagues it's more traditional and that's fair enough but when they are 3 p.m. generally and you can you can play that and do, and do that and then go back home to have your food or have it beforehand but when it like, yeah, yeah i mean what the, the other Premier thing with tradition and, is what else is a tradition on boxing day you're doing something already in yeah. the evenings you're, you're not going to football in the evening you are probably having party games or gatherings or you go around to different relatives to Christmas Day. You know, I, you, I'm doing boxing. <laughs> boxing, exactly. Boxing, yeah, just punching people. Anyway, yeah. boxing, you know, that's basically <laughs> all I do on Boxing Day. <laughs> but you're not going to be at the football. It, it drives me mad. I think we should get rid of it. I think we should make it the 27th at best. Um, I'm just not interested. I'm, I'm not going to go. I'm just, a lot, just a lot of countries have like, their, their winter break over Christmas and don't yeah. have over Christmas. <clears throat> Yeah. I, I don't I think mean, this country should go that far because I think we we do have a tradition of it, but I think Boxing Day for the when you 
when you've got games split so far over Boxing Day in 27, that sort of thing, it's not actually Boxing Day, so why bother? Hmm, exactly. Anyway, moving on, a um, few other bits have been going on. I'm going to flash through a couple of things. First of all, Sergio Aguero's retired. I don't think we've mentioned that on the show. Um, what a player. He's got the best ratio of goals per minute. I think it's, it's about 108 minutes per goal he scored, um, which got, is the best. He's got the best, the best of- ratio of Dan Burn, clapping Dan Byrne for a, a brilliant turn in the <laughs> He has, he has got that as well. But no, he's up there. He's above Thierry Henry and Shearer and all the others in terms of his ratio of goals. Um, brilliant player. He's arguably got possibly one of the most, probably the, the most famous Premier League goal, has he? Yeah, that's, that's what say. Sky keeps telling us, yeah. yeah. I think probably in terms of impact overall, it probably was because they never won it before and he... Yeah, I possibly is that one actually. Probably the last minute nature of it. It's the most dramatic the Premier League win since since Michael Thomas, which was obviously when it was in the old first division. So yeah, and QPR were fighting for survival in the the other yeah. end of the equation as well. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. Probably is the most famous goal, isn't it? It's the most dramatic win in Premier League ever because yeah, the the last time it was that close was Michael Thomas, and he was pre Premier League days. So yeah, a couple of years earlier. It is yeah, the most dramatic and the most you know, famous Premier League goal in terms of, like, meaning rather than in terms of quality. Yeah, 100% great. Obviously, Johan Match's uh, overhead kick is the most meaning in terms of quality. Definitely. Now, I'm, I'm, what, a, what a player. It's a shame he's had to retire. He moved to Barcelona. He had some injuries. He barely got into the, into the game, and now he's discovered some heart issues. So, you know, fair play to him. I salute him. What, what a player for the Premier League. Um, yeah. Now, he, on to a, I mean, City obviously signed two players in that sort of time that would then go on to dictate their kind of amazing... Success. David Silva. Yeah, Silva and Aguero. And both of them have been up there, probably in the top, like, top 20 Premier League players ever, arguably. Yeah. And Diego Maradona's former son-in-law as well, to, to boot. Well, what more can you say? <laughs> He's been there and done it. Um, speaking of being there and done it before, um, you've, you've criticised Leeds on one or two occasions. I just thought I'd throw this one you in. You know what you mean? We- I've never mentioned him to that, Leeds. <laughs> the Tracy Crouch um, review of football um, recommendations. Uh, we've mentioned, uh, we've touched on it already, but I just wanted to highlight one element. We've, we've had Steve Parrish of Crystal Palace. We've had Karen Brady of West Ham. Usual suspects, basically, here. Angus Kinnear of Leeds and um, Christian Perslow of Villa. I think Perslow was describing it as North Korea or um, or Communist China or something like that, uh, or Ma- Maoist China, um, in terms of the, well, the arbitrary nature, as he, as he saw it, of these proposed changes and, and the introduction of an independent regulator, saying, no, we should do it with the FA. That will be much better. Well, the independent FA, yeah, yeah, useless, completely useless in that sort of regard. They've failed over a number of decades. I think it's time for an independent regulator. I agree with the vast majority sure of the time, though, now, you feel, proposals. isn't it? Sure <laughs> if you fail constantly, you've got to succeed at some point just by law of average. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if at first you don't succeed, yeah, delusionally try, keep, try again. Keep failing and then fail again. Yeah, exactly. But no, I mean, without dwelling on it too much, because we've covered it a bit before, but Angus Kinnear, one of his big objections as Leeds uh, CEO is the fact that um, he's, he's against the notion of um, parachute payments. These the um, uh, Sorry, he was against the notion of parachute payments. He's now in favour of it. it it's, just, um, it's funny how he's, he's changed his tune since they became a Premier League club after decades away from the top flight. Um, that arch of hypocrisy 
just leaves me to have nothing but contempt for him. Karen Brady, her views on continuing the season when COVID was happening speak for themselves. Christian Perslow wasn't popular at Liverpool at the time, um, not popular now. Um, and Steve Parrish, the least said about him, the better. All of his criticisms, <clears throat> as Tracy Crouch said on um, the Price of Football podcast, um, you know, it, it made it clear, his criticisms, that he hadn't read the bloody report. So if he hasn't read the report, shut up. Steve Parrish, shut up. If you're not gonna, if you don't know what you're talking about, don't bother talking at all. That's what I would say to him. And speaking of the price of football, they had their quiz last night, or last night as we record this Tuesday night, um, a special Christmas quiz. I, I participated and I did spectacularly badly, I have to say. However, it was good fun. Um, it's one of a number of quizzes they've done in the past. Fair play to those guys. Um, yeah, we're Peter, with you uh, both of them back on, really, aren't we? Well, I did ask them if they wanted to come on, and in the heat of the moment, they said yes. But um, I followed up on Twitter and haven't heard back yet, so I'm not sure. <laughs> he was claiming not to remember. We are, we are we close were. to Palace. They could both be on for the Palace game. That'd be interesting. Yeah, well, I, I said, come on, Kevin Day and, and Jim Daly as well, who presents the um, Five Year Plan podcast with him. Um, I said for them to come on. You know, we get a couple of comedians on. We fancy ourselves as comedians as well. What could go wrong? I don't know. I've ever fancied myself as a comedian, to be honest. <laughs> my views are hilariously laughable mainly <laughs> moving swiftly on some other Albion news there's quite a bit of news let's start with the with the um Dan Ashworth and David Weir stories so Dan Ashworth um reports have said that we have given permission for Newcastle United the black gold team to um to speak to our man about um, the, a similar role at Newcastle. And David Weir was rumoured to be rejoining his old club from his playing days, and I think coaching days, um, Everton. Um, the latter has been poo-pooed by the Liverpool Echo. They've said that um, either there was nothing in the story or he's, or he's changed his mind. There's rumours we may have offered more money for him to stay. Either way round, it appears that David Weir is staying with the club, whatever the reasoning behind that, which is good news. I think he's doing a good job. We had him on a Zoom call during lockdown for Seagulls over London, and I thought he was really impressive, very articulate, very balanced, very uh, measured views, and sound, sounded like a guy with his head screwed on. Classic Albion employee, basically. And um, where Dan Ashworth is concerned... Plays for us. Well, no, he's on our books anyway, but doesn't play for us at the moment. Which is Jensen Weir, isn't it? Yeah. Um, where, where Dan Ashworth's concerned, obviously, you know, he, the director of football... He's part of the very makeup of the club in its current form. It would be a huge, well, disappointment to say the least. It would be a huge wrench, really, if he were to leave. I don't know how interested he is in the role. He might want to have a listen to them just out of interest to hear what they say. He may be keen on the role. I don't know. Um, but as we understand it, he's, we've given permission, which is our policy, isn't it? Tony Bloom is very keen not to get in the way of people's careers. He's happy to let... Um, to let people speak to people and find out what they think and find out what they want to do. Whether he'll stay or not, we don't know as we record this, but um, I'm pretty concerned if he were to go. Are you not as well, Peter, regarding this? I think they've got, they've got the kind of thing lined up of like kind of, you know, the suggestion is they've got successes, ideas lined up. Dan obviously is at the top of the level and that sort of thing. Obviously a very good director of football, but I, I trust Tony Bloom. Where I think it could be interesting is obviously what happens with Potter because he obviously was an Ashworth appointment. He came in clearly with the idea of moving Hewton on. I don't think anyone can question that. I think there's, you know, there's all this kind of idea about, you know, 
thing to went downhill after he, after he came in. I think probably Hewton felt less supported from above necessarily. I'm not saying because Ashford didn't do well, but because he was obviously had a very, an idea of what he's going to do and that sort of thing. So I, I think he obviously had an idea of how he's going to point us and, and Potter was a clear, idea, you know, he had a clear idea on Potter in or someone similar and Hewton wasn't the way to go. So if Ashworth goes and they bring someone in, does that then, you know, change to someone else? You know, I mean, hmm. we've got some good signings since Ashworth, but if not, we've got some, you know, there's development signings, like main signings. I don't question it. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a disaster. I think if he's someone who is drawn by money, he'll go to Newcastle. If he's drawn by, you know, kind of like if anything else, he'll he'll stay because. Frankly, I don't. I wouldn't trust the Newcastle owner to keep him on for past a year if it doesn't go well. So yeah, that's true. I, I mean, think the only, the only, the only other thing Newcastle is, ambition, is money. Because well, ambition, ambition's the, the well, ambiguous one. Because ambition's ambiguous what, because I don't think that any ambitious. If they're ambitious, they necessarily will keep him if he doesn't immediately go that well. So I don't think. I think the only reason to go Newcastle is money, and if he's driven by that, I think we're not necessarily that bad off without him. Could he be sold? Could he be sold a vision in terms of ambition? Could he be sold a vision by Newcastle, rightly or wrongly, but earnestly he, or he's otherwise? A, he's, a, he's not an idiot. He's been aware. He's been around the game mm. a long time. He knows what this situation is. On the other hand, if he wants to go to Newcastle and probably like double or something like that, he does at Albion probably because, frankly, and be like probably about third or fourth choice for that job because they've gone for at least two or three other foreign possibilities who've like they've gone for and said no because Newcastle is, is, is like an absolute disgrace, you know, in the way they've organised it, it's a complete joke, then if, if he wants to go, given all that's happened, and clearly Newcastle have offered, I think Emanole, the, the previous Chelsea guy, they've offered two or three others who were like, at one point, you know, kind of like talked about when they first joined, when before Hal was appointed, then if, if they really want to go, if he really wants to go there, then that's his choice, you know. I think if, yeah. I, if I was him... It would be, a, you know, if I was him, I'd stay, obviously, because I'm a Brighton fan. But if, from his point of view, I wouldn't regard Newcastle as that great a choice. They're, they're probably going, there's a good chance they'll go down this year. The situation mm. now, they will be regarded, relying on basically mercenaries in January. They're not, no proactive player who wants to like, improve their career will go Newcastle in January. They might do it in the summer if they stay up, but they won't do it in January because there's a fair chance they'll go down. And they look like, yeah. they, look I mean, like they don't want to leave after that. They've talked about the likes of Aaron Ramsey and um, Kieran Trippier and Tarkovsky and people like that. Those are the sort of names that have been mentioned. You can't tell in, me in relation... Trippier wants to play in Championship football before going to the World Cup, hopefully. In November. Well, exactly. This, this is the thing. I mean, those sort, of, those sort of players that you would want to get if you were Newcastle, and they do need to address I mean, defensive Ramsey areas. will go to the World Cup if he's in the Championship because Wales don't have the options. But yeah. the options at right-back would... would... Yeah. Struggle to get in if he's playing three or four months of championship football, I would say. And if you only got one of those... Like Lamptey, and I even talked about Lamptey, it's like, you know, when he's fit, is brilliant. I, yeah. And I mean, would, would one or Trippi two would of those be out of that squad? When you're out with of... Alexander-Arnold, Walker, you know, James, he would not even be near that squad if he's in championship for like three or four months. No, no chance. talked about. So I would be very surprised if Trippier went there unless he thinks he's going to be out of the squad anyway. Yeah, I mean, look at the table. So Newcastle have played 18 games. So they're, they're virtually halfway already. They've got 10 points from 18 games. That is a hell of a turnaround. So now can I we know... talk about my true hatred in Premier League now? So, Go on. 
well, you know, I know you, I know you got hung up on Leeds and all that sort of thing, and and Palace and that sort of thing. But Newcastle are my true hatred in the Premier League. Well, there we go. I mean, the chances are they're going down. If you look at if you look at this, um, in the words of Kevin Keegan, I would love it if they went down. Love it. (laughs) Well, they're only three. They're going to go and get a win at you know Brighton, and I would love it if they. They're three points adrift at the moment, which doesn't sound bad. But then when you look at it, they've got a, a vastly inferior goal difference to everyone around them, apart from Norwich below them and Leeds above them, first thing to say. So, so in terms of points, you've got to add an extra point onto this. Newcastle are a point behind Burnley. OK, that sounds all right, third bottom. Burnley have got three games in hand on them. Then you look to Watford, who are another two points ahead, so three ahead of Newcastle. They've got two games in hand. Again, the goal difference is superior. Then you've got Leeds, who are six points ahead of them, and their goal difference is not good, and they've played all, all of the matches as well. They've played 18. OK, that looks more promising, but don't forget Newcastle have got to go ahead to two teams here. So the chances are, looking at this, you would think Norwich, Newcastle and Leeds look the odds on at the moment. Obviously, a long way to go. And I think the big thing for them is they, they have to a degree, got the two players that they would obviously want to sign in their situation. So they've got yeah. Sam and they've got Wilson. So they've got to sign the maybe unglamorous players and put together a defence and keeper that will yeah. keep their goals. Not just like bring them, not just put them in and use individual brilliance. They've got to actually have a whole unit as well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Newcastle's record... And Wilson is shit, basically. New, I mean, we, I mean, that's one of the things we should have beaten them, really, by quite comfortably, but we didn't. Oh, we should have beaten them easily. They were awful. Since Howe's come in, but they haven't really improved. Well. He might he might have put some points in place there, Howe. Howe is the not a manager is, who defends well as a history. No, no, exactly. This is the problem. Their, their issue hasn't been addressed because that's not his forte. They have still got big problems. I watched the Man City game. Man City were in second gear and they were playing pretty badly. You had um, the goalkeeper was drilling balls out of play, giving the ball away. Players were playing balls forward. They were giving it away. Their shooting wasn't as good as it could have been. And you they still say, went though, 4-0. They still City's first goal was epic, though, wasn't it? Yes. Keeper passed it straight out for a corner. And then from the, the, the ball coming round from the corner, two players, the keeper and defender, left it for a player Clark. from, like, six yards out. I mean... That Clark, is- Clark could have headed it. And he just stood there and decided to leave it straight into the path of the, of the, of the player for City. Yeah, I mean, they I were mean, saying, it's like... I mean, Dubravka was at fault for picking it out of play because it was a terrible pass. He kicked it straight out of play, but Clark's got to clear that. You've got to, you can't leave that. St- that you know, if you climb with your keeper and it goes wrong, well, you, you know, that's wrong. But you've got to kind of, unless you hear a shout, you've got to give that to go and head that out of play. And they just both stood there and left it for. Um, it was pathetic. That's the only word to describe yeah, was that. Was it Dias? Was it. Um... Yeah, Dias. Dias put the ball in, didn't he, for that one, was it? Or... Right, six yards really out know. because. With an yeah. open goal yeah. because they both just stood there and watched it. I mean, yeah. I mean, Newcastle's defence. Like... Newcastle's defence is the worst defence I can ever remember in the Premier League. From and they from still got pretty much the same set of defence as they had when they went up as well, barring Dubravka. I mean, so that, I, I put it. I put not it a bad Peter. keeper. So Peter, Steve Bruce wasn't doing such a bad job after all. No, I actually think Bruce <laughs> would be better worse. off than Hal now, given what he he did. They didn't better bringing Allardyce back or doing something like that. They they just how was not the answer at this stage, and he, he probably never will be because he would never going to be impro- in, good enough for like, their later development as well. It, it seemed a very odd appointment. It was they they couldn't get who they wanted, and they they basically you know 
who I can't, I can't remember who they were linked with now, but they were talked about with fewer people, weren't they? And then yeah. they couldn't get them, so they went for Hal because he was free, and it was. Yeah. And looking looking at the table, if you look at the mid table teams or just below mid table, the Palace, Brentford, and Brighton all on twenty, which is four points. Sorry, um, six points off Europe. Um, they are nine points clear of Burnley. Admittedly, Burnley have games in hand. Um, I don't really see below that you've got Everton. I think Everton will have too much in the end. Southampton will as well. I think we're talking bottom five are the other five. Yeah, so I'm, I'm not at... committing to that. I think we're in such a bad run that. No, 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 no. We carry on not winning. <laughs> so we don't beat Brentford. Let's, let's just assume that all the games carry on from now on. There's no issues. We don't beat Brentford. You then assume we, we don't go to Chelsea. We don't get anything there because, you know, we have a good season sort of getting at Chelsea. We go to Everton, but we never get anything at Everton. And suddenly there's three more games with no with one more point, maybe like that, or no more points. And now you say you're assuming it will be no no points or one point, but we. No, I'm saying yeah. if, I'm saying if we don't beat Brentford, so this is like the thing. If we beat Brentford, it will be. I think it's a huge game on. Um, yeah, but if we draw with Brentford, as as is our want with every game this season, then we're on 21 from 17. Chelsea, yeah, maybe 21 from 18. You could say Everton could get a draw. 22 from 19. I know these are all ifs, but we haven't got a draw ever at Everton in our Premier League time. But look at look at the teams below us. I mean, Burnley. We said they've got three games in hand, but they've still only got 11 points. Not enough. 15 they games. We got one point in hand. One game. No, in no. Hand but last. I mean, um, in general, uh, for the season, they've got 11 points from 15. That's still terrible. Watford, 13 from 16. Well, we've That's not won not 11, good. which is far worse than any of the others as well. Yeah, but we're drawing most of those games. If we okay, if you take out, we we lose to Liverpool and City and Chelsea or whatever, and lose three or four or five of those games, we're still going to have more than a point per game. Yeah, I, I, we're not. I if we only draw games, don't don't win any. <laughs> so. <laughs> anyway, we won't dwell on that because just to finish I'm, off, I'm obviously not saying we're not winning again this season, but I think that there's, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't assume that we're out of the relegation battle because we've got twenty hmm. points. If we get twenty points in the season, we'll go down by a mile. So. Until we get to the four, the 35, 40 point mark. Well, like, yeah, of course, of course. Eight probably but, is now enough. But, but I seriously don't see us getting anywhere, troubling anywhere near there, to be honest. Um, I really don't. But anyway. We're, we're on our we, worst run we've ever had in Premier League. So, in terms of wins, yes. But in terms of defeats, no. So, it depends how you look at it, really. I mean, we've got to win some games during the runs going on from yeah. here, obviously. That goes without saying, because it's going to be too close for comfort if we don't. But I think we will. So, But we're, anyway, it's all speculative. We're nearly halfway, aren't we? Well, thereabouts. In the meantime, quick bits of Albion news. Um, the women's game is supposed to be on TV second week in a row, Arsenal away. And for the second week in a row, the game is postponed. I assume that's for COVID-related reasons. Oh, second week in a row. They lost to Man U, didn't they? Oh, no, sorry. Yeah, that was on TV, wasn't it? Yeah, sorry. Apologies. Yeah, you're right. But we anyway, the game was postponed at Arsenal. Um, Worthing beat Lewis in the Senior Cup 3 0. I don't know what the other scores were, I didn't check. Um, Albion have got, of course, Kadra on loan, and he um, scored a goal in their 4 0 win for the weekend. And they're looking very well. Van Heck's looking pretty good as well from the sound of it. Looking... Yeah, I mean, his, his header the previous week, what a proper that's what we need yeah. a centre back that can header like that. Uh, so it was really good, really well, good. Both and Duncan Webster and Duffy have all shown signs at one point they can. It's just delivery, I think, for anything else. I mean, all three of them have scored goals, you know, in, in, uh, you know, three, four, five, six goals in a season. But we just don't have delivery, I think, at the moment. It's a problem. Yeah, true. And finishing is our other issue. We mentioned, I'm not sure if it was on Duffy's header against Watford was like that. Yeah. 
I'm not sure if it was on air or off air when the Ian Hart episode, but um, we were talking about um, Barrett and Diaz as one of our targets. He's been rumoured to be interest. And it's interesting that we have two players on loan to them and we may or may not be interested in their strike. Finding two of their now, players. Yeah, I wonder if there's... Both Barrett and Diaz. Stri- yes. <laughs> striking a deal with, with them, maybe. I mean, it's going to be difficult because they're, they're in a promotion battle. This is the problem. Whatever deal we strike them, I hope we don't include Kadra or Van Heck in those deals because... Uh... Yeah, they sound like they're very, very good prospects. Agreed. And finally, I just wanted to pose the question, is refereeing getting worse again? There's been some terrible decisions. We had all the big sides getting penalties. Apparently, it's the first time the top, I think it was the top four, top three teams, all had penalties awarded in in single goal deciding games in Premier League or top flight history ever or something like that, which is mental. So before you go into like getting worse, think Hmm. Last season. Sorry, say again? Think about the last Don't season. How many complaints did we have about every since last season? How well, I, I think we had we had far more last season than we have so far in the same period of time this season, I would say. But I think there's some pretty dreadful decisions at the weekend. I think um, the Liverpool game um, on the Sunday at Spurs, um, three well, Kane should have been decisions. red carded. There's no question. K- Kane's that. it's a red card. But it was far worse. Question. Than, I actually didn't think Robertson did that much wrong. But it, it was, was just it a bit was forceful, a, wasn't it? It was, a, was a, bit, a little bit forceful, but it, it was a yellow card, yellow and a half sort of thing. It wasn't that bad. But once yeah. you got sent Kane off, how VAR then decided to then send off Robertson is like Robertson is beyond me. That's that's a disgrace, and I do think that was a penalty as well. well. There's, there's only one they, reason that he said not send Kane off. That's because England captain. Yeah. He gets preferential treatment. Kira got away with so much. Maguire, obviously, against Welbeck last season. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't a red red card and a penalty when... England players called Harry get away with murder. England players called Harry get away with murder. Harry Kane is a dirty player. Look at the incident with Lallana. We had a discussion last week about that. Lallana had a penalty. Actually, should have been a foul against him. He's risking the player's safety and wins a penalty out of it when he's fouled our guy. And then this one was, you know, he went flying in. He was out. Of yeah, it was a terrible His challenge. Was yeah. He studied him at pace. How the hell is that not a red card? And then and I think Liverpool... There was some, was at Klassenberg, I think, on the BBC, was having a go at the referee saying, like... And apparently the, the reasoning was that Robertson's leg wasn't on the ground. It's like, well, he, he didn't know that. What's that got to do with it? Yeah, exactly. That was, But apparently that was... Rob Kassenberg, who normally often is like kind of quite pro referees and that sort of thing, was having a real berating the officials about the fact that they, they didn't send him off on VAR. Because I, I understand both live with the yellow cards, and it's like you can you can not see things live and you can like maybe not make, leave it to VAR, fine. But VAR somehow picked up on Robertson's one, but didn't pick up on Kane's one. And you have to look at wonder who these people are and what they're watching because they were so wrong. It's so disgusting. You know, it's like... And the, the, the first red card claim... disgusting tackle. The red card claim, the first one didn't go to VAR at all, as I understand it. Well, it did. It they all go to VAR. Everything goes to VAR. I mean, sorry, the, to the screen, I mean. But the, no, the no, second well, one... Yeah, no, it wouldn't have done, because it wouldn't have been probably with the CM. And the second one did. So, you know... Apparently, Kane difference? was upset to be yellow carded for it. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he looked... After he looked the game, he was, he was upset. That he, he was shocked that he was yellow carded for it. Yeah, we get yellow cards for nothing on our team. Um, also, it's the usual suspects. It's Paul Tierney, who's dreadful. It's Kavanagh on VAR, dreadful. Kavanagh is awful. I mean, that, I've still that, got that Millwall game where he managed to miss Glenn Murray getting rugby tackled in a corner between him. He's dreadful, isn't he? Moss is, is dreadful. The Newcastle game against City, I mean, I agree with Alan Shearer for once. 
I actually think that was ridiculous that that wasn't a penalty. Yeah, the only reason I could possibly think of that wasn't a penalty was because he wasn't getting the ball anyway. But he still took him out. He still... It doesn't matter, does it, though? No, exactly. No, it shouldn't matter. That's the only reason, the the only possible reason I can think of why they didn't... I mean, well, that's what they said. That's what they apparently told... That's what they told the manager. Let's be honest, Newcastle would not have won that game anyway. No, no, it's completely, yeah. Completely not. This is the same Alan Shearer who said that that Tarkowski was legitimate in taking out Mope in the first game of the season for like basically strangling oh, him yeah. to the ground. So he, he's an he's an idiot. Alan Shearer's view was any way he, legitimate. Alan Shearer, no, 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 yeah, Newcastle, Newcastle bias completely ludic, you know, has no genuine opinions. Uh, he's a completely incompetent moron. So let's yeah, not that Alan Shearer is being any sort of way legitimate. He regarded Tarkowski on Mope at Burnley as being a legitimate thing for a because he was looking No, at, no that's 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 ball. correct. I'm I'm not I'm not disagreeing with you at all. I'm just saying for once but he's right I agree occasion, with him yeah. on, on this occasion. Like a the broken clock, match. he's he's right occasionally. <laughs> exactly. But the, right, the I point got about, my dislike of Alan Shearer out of the way now. Yeah, it's good. I'm glad you've done that one, yeah. Um, but no, I mean, the, the, the argument was apparently put to the manager that, no, the decision was given because um, the ball was out of uh, completely away from him and Cancelo was picking it up. That is irrelevant. If there is a foul committed during open play when the, when the ball is still active, it doesn't matter whether I, that player can right, get to the ball or not. But I'm saying it's the only, only logical reason it could yeah. be. Yeah. And, oh, sorry, it's, it's and that's, what, that's so. the reason that was given. And it's, it's bullshit. It's yeah, it's bullshit. But so what if I, if I punch... If I'm playing a game and I punch someone in the face in the penalty area, and when I'm the defender and the ball's still in play, that's a penalty and a red Gordon card. Gordon Greer against the, on his debut did that, didn't he, and got sent off on a penalty, even though yeah. it's no ball. Can I just say though, it was against Eddie Howell though, so it's quite entertaining, and against like the murderous Saudi regime. So you know, I can't do much of the thing. <laughs> you know, the the, uh, the people oh. who were sentenced to death in their courts for <laughs> criticizing the regime weren't given VAR to go and like. You know, kind of overturned decision. You know, so I can't simply for Newcastle as a whole because, as far as I'm concerned, they've uh, jumped above Leeds, Palace, Burnley, all those sort of clubs as uh, the most scumbag club in the league. So every, I think VAR should go against them in every decision. And they it, are the Tony most came out and said, Well, it was a penalty, but they're racist and they're terrible people, and they basically owned by Saudi Arabia. Then actually, I'd have respect for him. So. <laughs> It would have been a penalty for any other team, but not for one owned by a, a regime that murders journalists outside embassies. That then I'd have been like, well, fair enough. That's actually a right decision. <laughs> um, they are without doubt the most reprehensible regime in the history of football. And and while we can we can say, you know, there there can be hypocrisies if you don't start mentioning other countries, the Chinese owned and this, that, and the other. Oh, yeah, but it's no really not on the same scale, is it? They're, it's it's they're not, not the same I'm not we're not defending other people, but this 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 regime is allegedly linked to this uh, Newcastle ownership. It's allegedly linked to people who murder journalists and uh, murder citizens for like turning up against that sort of thing. You know, so as compared yeah. to, see, but obviously they're not directly linked to them, of course, because we can't say that. Yeah, there are well, there's a fund of some sort of shit and that sort of thing. Yeah, finally, quick preview of Brentford. Assuming it happens, Brentford may have got their players back. I think we've got some of ours we've back. We've got a few back as well, haven't we? Yeah. The, the, the game, as we've mentioned, is Boxing Day at 8pm. Um, but um, What's that if noise? It does go, <laughs> I'm not doing it again. Um, the game's going to be, I think it's on TV, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. Um, some, some sort of TV, somewhere. Uh, yeah, somewhere TV. or other. We, 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 were, we, we were the first team to inflict um, defeat on Brentford 
um, lost uh, at the beginning of this season, 1-0, um, their first defeat of the new stadium in a competitive game. Um, of course, great goal from Trossard. That leaves the head-to-head record looking as follows. We've won 33, they've won 28 and 14 draws. So we're ahead of the game on that score. Um, the games at the Amex is... They've got the two day. four nils, I remember. Yeah, let's not mention that. <laughs> um, we haven't got really... Is that the war as in uh, Forces Towers? <laughs> They mentioned we, we the four nils. I mentioned them earlier. But I think I got away. Yeah, with... let, let, yeah. Can you not? Can you not mention it? Thanks. I was at both of those. They were not funny nights. I missed them both. You, you don't well know done. You games. did well to do that because I yeah, <laughs> I went to both and they were not they were not enjoyable evenings. Although both in promotion season, so you know, I run it. Well, um, I'm hoping that we can get back on track. We have apparently got potentially anything up to four of the players that have been out. Back in more pay, I think we'll be back from what we think is the COVID scenario. Grosh the same. We've apparently got the possibility of Welbeck being back. We're hearing. Well, the suggestion is Welbeck is back, and is back. Webster, um, we'll Webster. Back unless anything changes in the next twenty-four hours or yeah, which would be a, a huge bonus. It would be that, yeah, the um, both of them. I think. I well, mean, we've missed them all, haven't we? We've, well, yeah, maybe we, not we, Grosh. Uh, well, we haven't won since Welbeck dropped, uh, left, uh, got injured at Palace. So yeah, you know, say. I think it's, you know, he is, he was never going to play regularly. Obviously, losing him for three months is pretty much, it wasn't necessarily known, but certainly lose, you know, we couldn't expect him to play every game. There's never going to be a realistic option of that. But we've not won since he, in the league, since he, um, since he got injured at Palace. So, you know, he's obviously a very important part of our team. And if we can somehow keep fit the rest of the season, it changes things around quite a lot. But, yeah, you know, okay, yeah. obviously, everyone on the back of two win, two goals in two games and, you know, it's obviously a big loss as well. And Duncan Webster, obviously a big loss. But he doesn't hide the fact that with three of those players, we've not won in quite a long time as well. So well, I think Welbeck might well be the one who, you know, if he... I wonder if they might, you know, give him half an hour to on, on if, if we need it on in Boxing Day. And then we can, like, maybe leave him out against Chelsea because we probably won't get much there anyway. So, yeah. I mean, Brent, Brentford have probably got quite a few players back. I think Tony's back and a few others. Um, who have been hit by COVID and um, they've got one or two injuries as well. That I think a few people are recovering. We didn't get Billy the Bee's opinion on matters this time round. So I think he'll be busy buzzing, at Christmas. He? But he's probably buzzing for it, yeah. I mean, Brentford have had a obviously a very good start, a sticky spell after that. Um, they've kind of levelled out in their games. They're doing they, pretty recently? well. They're, they're above us, mm. aren't they? They're pointless above Goal us. Goal difference they? above, yeah. Like, mm. yeah. Yeah, so yeah. They, they've done, compared to the other two promoted teams who've both had you know, more experience of the, the Premier League and that sort of thing. They've done really well. I, you know, I, I really hope they stay up, mainly because I want to go in the next season. Although yeah, because you missed out. One weekend I'm busy all year again or something like that. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, I really, I really want them to do well because I think they've, they've got a, a manager who seems quite progressive and quite keen to play football. And they, they you know, they're a nice club. I've, not, I've never had any issues at Brainfall. I've, I've gone there quite a few times over the years and they, their fans always seem quite decent. So I, I would love them to do well. Yeah, it's impossible to predict how this might go. I mean, even if you look at the historical results since 2014... I mean, a draw, but a fair bet, isn't it? Yeah, probably. I mean, it's loss, win, loss, draw, win, loss, draw, win. It's a real mixed bag against these guys. But only um, one of those was in the Premier League, so it's like a bit irrelevant anyway, the rest of it, isn't it? It's like... True, true. Yeah. Chris Hewton's we'll... first game in charge was a win at Brentford, and uh, Chris O'Grady scored, so... Uh... Well, if he scores, we're on the pitch, you know, as yeah. I say. Well, yeah. it, in fact, though, no one did it, though. That cup game, <laughs> like, everyone was thinking a great scores were on the pitch, 
and no one went on the pitch. So, you know, it's like, well, you bottled it, didn't you? Don't sing about it. You've got to do it. I couldn't believe it in school. Couldn't believe it. <laughs> well, on that note, Peter, that, that's the final one for um, pre-Christmas. So if the game goes ahead on Boxing Day, we'll be watching at home on TV and we'll be hoping for the very best from the Albion. Wish them the very best of luck in getting a result. We really need a win. It goes without saying. Um, we'll do another one post-Christmas, probably between Christmas and New Year. And if the Brentford game's gone ahead, obviously it'll be a review podcast amongst other things. Um, but that's pretty much it for me. Anything else from you, Peter? No, just that, yeah, another year has gone by. Another year of the podcast. It's been like, it's been two years now. Yeah, yeah. I think early January marks two years. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. flown by. Yeah, it really has. Get, it, we could be close to 200 episodes by the time that comes. So. Somewhere near that, yeah, indeed. We um, are actually closing so, on on two episodes a week, which is quite scary. Yeah, we just can't stop talking, can we? <laughs> Strange that. Mm, I've always had that problem. Anyway, but... Uh, no, I'm just yeah, very so... quiet, generally. But if you just... <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so on that note, can we first of all just say again, once once again, if you can rate and review us, go on Apple or any other places where you can rate and review podcasts, please do give us five stars, write reviews, anything you can do to help us. If you want to contact the show, it's the usual stuff we've mentioned before. It's um, brightonrockpodcast at gmail.com or you can contact us on Twitter at brightonrockpod. And in the meantime, Peter... Merry Christmas to all our, all our guests and listeners and everyone around the world. Exactly. Exactly. Including the Philippines. Woohoo! <laughs> and, Thank um, you for listening, guys. I, why do you do it? I don't know, but you know. I don't know. Crazy people. But please do. Please keep doing it. And we, we really appreciate all the support you give us. Yeah, and we please do. keep and, listening. Uh, and the same to our it, guests as well. Us. Thank you very much for coming on. And Absolutely. We've had some really good guests on. We'll summarize and to turn it around tonight, I'm going to go, this is pre-Christmas, stand or fall. Ooh, up the Albion. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.